I feel so weird. Hang on. What was wrong with me? I've only done this like, like at I least literally, I have a script for everything, before. and it's just the intro that we didn't account for. And this happens to us every time. I don't. We just don't know how to start or end anything. Um. Okay. Uh. Like, yo, what's up? That's so lame. <laughs> That's so lame. Okay. Wait. You know what? How we how we begin the other ones is that we start with like a soft intro. And then we do the, hi, it's Del, hi, it's Mel. So we just need, like, a soft intro. No, 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 let me, um, hold on. We need a soft intro that ties everything together. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Teenage Mutant. Heroes in a half shell. Turtle power, we could do that. That's the intro. Hello, this is Del. Hey guys, it's Mel. Okay, How, how's how's your life been, Mel? What are you what are you doing? You know what? It's it's been pretty good. Um, I'm very excited to talk with the Ninja Turtles today. Um, Del, tell me a little bit about like why you're so invested in the turtles. I'm, I invested in the turtles. Well, recently it's because um the variety show is very good, and I think that Nickelodeon should get off their ass and unpositive i'm making we're making so many enemies with this podcast so i just insult everybody um that's fine <laughs> um, we're like we're coming for you fox we're coming for you nickelodeon every major news corporation yeah you're we're gunning for you all of the tv networks watch out we're coming yeah watch out um del and mel's got you i know we're we're on the the prowl that's gross um I don't know. Uh, I did. I watched the 2012 show whenever I was a kid, but never like the whole way through. I just like okay watched it when it was on Nick, and then at yeah. some point in time, I also watched the 90s movies. Couldn't tell you when, but it, at some point, I did that. I mean, you watched two of them with me. I did. I um, I also like so when I watched Rise in like September, I couldn't think about anything else for like two months, and I watched all of Rise, the Rise movies. All, all of the 90s, the 2007, both of the Bayverse movies, and all of 2012. And I'm currently watching 03. Like, I literally just, like, watch, like, everything. It's and great. It was wild. It was sure a time. Well, I, I know for me, um, Ninja Trolls has been the staple in my life. Um, I started young with the 2003 show, um, and I haven't looked back since. So I'm, I'm very excited to tell you about the whole history of the Ninja Turtles and maybe like some things that you've missed along the way. So I would love to know the whole history so, of all I'm of so the glad. turtles. I'm so glad. All right. So in the beginning. In the beginning. In the beginning. So in 1983, Peter Laid was 29 years old and married and he was living in Massachusetts and he was working alongside Kevin Eastman who at the time he was 21 and he was making cartoons and Peter decided that he was going to pursue his dream job and he said hey Kevin do you want to join me I'm going to go to Dover New Hampshire just join me and he did like they all moved from Massachusetts to New Hampshire and one night the two of them were in Peter's kitchen and they were just playing around and just sketching and kevin he drew something and dell um i'm gonna send you what he drew that night and i just i want you in your best ability to um to just describe it in your own words okay uh that is the funniest looking turtle i've ever seen in my life (laughs) 
It's, it's a very uh, hyper-realistic turtle with some nunchucks, but he's not holding them. They are, in fact, like, attached to the back of his hand. Yeah, is... like, they're, like, not... <laughs> they're like... just, like, they're, like, balanced. <laughs> he has, so... like, a... He has a tail as well, which is a little, like... Um... What's the one I'm looking for? Phallic looking? A little bit. Uh, well, so Kevin drew that, and then he scribbled the words Ninja Turtle on the top. And Peter, he took that drawing, and before it was just, like, drawn in pencil, like, on a napkin. And uh, Peter, he took the drawing, and he inked it, and he added the words Teenage Mutant along with it. So it said Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. And this drawing and further conceptions of the turtles was like this hodgepodge of what was popular in comic culture at the time. So Teenage was for the new Teen Titans. Mutant was for the Uncanny X-Men. Ninja was for Daredevil. And the idea for the anamorphic turtle animal thing was from Howard the Duck. Oh and how was the duck? I know how did that of, of all things, and like it wasn't. Here's the thing: it wasn't even like that popular because the movie would come out three years later and be like produced and directed by George Lucas. So like it was like it was just a comic at the time. And Peter and Kevin they decided that they wanted to take it like one step forward, and they wanted to turn their little sketch into an actual comic book. But that meant that they actually had to think of a like an origin story. And it was the 80s. And the the comic origin, it, like, wasn't, like, it wasn't meant to be, like, that unique. Like, everything had been done already. But it was, like, you know, the 80s. So, like, they were, like, okay, we can, like, take things. And people, like, well, they'll notice. But, like, we won't say anything. And so they knew that they wanted to incorporate, like, what was popular to the time. And they weren't looking to be taken seriously, like, in the slightest. They were just, like, two dudes just having fun, just joking around. Kind of like us. Like, we're not meant to be taken serious. Yeah, we're two like, dudes just joking around, <laughs> having fun. We just we just want to, like, make bank, you know? Uh, and so, like, I'll the first... <laughs> with our $7 from Anchor. Ooh, thank you so much. Um, so, they like, they're... sponsor us. <laughs> we're, all, we're all ears. I'm so ready. So, the first rough draft. Um, at the origins for the four turtles had them with like Japanese names um but that like okay so that was the plan <laughs> they said you know what we want them with Japanese names because they're ninjas and then like they racked their brains for so long for like good authentic Japanese names and they just couldn't think of anything and so instead they landed on renaissance artists because that was the next line of thinking they're like I know hmm, of course authentic Japanese names or white guys <laughs> Mm -hmm. um and like peter just like said like you know what it just felt right you know what i i can't blame him like those are some like pretty like four powerful names and so because the turtles were like this inside joke just between two friends and it was like being turned into a real comic they took the origin stories from other fairly popular heroes in the comic universe at the time matt murdoch of course um, but like Matt Murdock, the turtles gained their abilities from a radioactive material that Peter and Kevin, they rechristened as ooze instead of just like radioactive waste. And their mentor was named Splinter instead of Stick and was a rat that had been affected. Um, but in later adaptations, Splinter would be a human turned into a rat. But in the original origins, he was a rat turned into a bigger rat. I like human 
Splinter so much better because the concept. I, I know, I know, we're talking about a world in which like they are uh, right <laughs> ninja turtles who like Teen- fight, they're also al- teenagers. Yeah, they're teenagers. Yeah, don't forget that. Uh, and, and they they fight you know like literal aliens uh, and a guy who's like themed after a cheese grater. But like, I just. The, the concept of a rat like going i was in a cage with my master and i learned karate is just like so strange because uh, real rats don't move like that like they obviously you've never met splinter obviously oh. you just never met a, like a japanese rat obviously i never did you I, only I, know american rats and they're I lazy american rats <laughs> um, my friend sent me a video of a rat in the subway like new york subways uh yeah the other day and i was like oh new york subway rats that's all i got (laughs) (laughs) well okay so um the main villain was called the foot while in daredevil they're the hand so there's like all these like little like things of like oh we'll just tweak that a little we'll just we'll tweak that there um and thing to tell people (laughs) and literally it wouldn't be until several years later that peter or kevin would like be like oh yeah like we took it from them like they weren't hiding it but they weren't like officially saying it so it was just like very funny so in march of 1984 they began their own printing company which they called mirage studios and their headquarters was located in Peter and Kevin's home because they lived together with Peter's wife. <laughs> uh, I'm not, I like, I don't know like the living situation, but I just think like that's really funny. Um, they shared a room, and his wife, <laughs> and the wife, slept on the couch. Yeah. <laughs> uh, their startup money came from Kevin's $500 tax return, the $200 saved up in Peter's bank account, and a like a loan of $1,300 from Kevin's uncle. So they have all this money. They sure sure made it back. Definitely. So ultimately, um, once the small company was established, they printed. And Del, I want you to guess. Now, now I want you to picture in your brain, you have this joke comic. You made this joke studio in your garage because Walt Disney did it. My eyes are closed. I'm thinking, yes. How many copies do you think that they printed? In, in In my, like, heart and soul... I feel like it should be like five, but I always—I'm <laughs> imagining that since you're asking me, it's got to be like three hundred. You know what? That's really close. Three hundred's a, a really close guess. It was actually three thousand. Oh my god! So they—they sold—they—they they printed three thousand copies of the first issue of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and with the remaining cash, they placed an advertisement. Sorry, an advertisement. <laughs> I got a little European there. Um, they place an advertisement um, in Comic Buyer's Guide magazine. And Dell, how do you think that they did with their 3,000 joke comic? Uh, they, they couldn't have done that well. I don't, I don't, I don't know. You asked me like how much money they made? Well, like, how, many, how many copies do you think they sold? Um... Again, I'm gonna go with five. I don't. Okay, that that's a really that's a really good guess. Um, so this advertisement actually, because it was in uh, Comic Buyer's Guide magazine, it led them to sell all three thousand copies in just a few short weeks. Oh. Okay. And then, and then as the popularity uh, continued to grow, they sold an additional six thousand. Oh, nice. Um, and Dell, I just want you to know, I'm gonna brag a little. I actually owned one of these copies, um, and I bought it like at a garage sale 
from oh like one of my neighbors for like two dollars i was like i like this and they're like you can take it and i said cool and then like i was looking back on it like a few years ago and i was like wow this was like an originally like printed in the like 1984 this is an original copy i i bought it for two dollars nice uh so in may so this is two months later um they made enough to pay back the loan and then they evenly split a profit of two hundred dollars and like i know i know like 200 just doesn't sound like a lot but if we account for like inflation and like then the total amount of money that these two made which we can assume because the loan was 1300 so they made like probably a total of 1500 they roughly made then like four thousand two hundred and eighty two dollars and eighty five cents in like 2023 terms nice which is pretty good for a comic about ninja turtles which is pretty good about yeah that was like (laughs) just one copy or like one one issue so originally the comic was meant to be like a one shot uh like a kind of like a self-contained story and it was like a pretty dark story so um i'm just gonna i'm gonna share the plot um so be weary be wary of it um, but the basic plot is that the turtles are low-key vigilantes in New York City. And they're teenagers, right? And they're all 15. And then for the first time ever, Splinter's like, all right, you're old enough now. I'm going to tell you my origin story. <laughs> Sit down, children. So he was a rat owned by his master, Hamato Yoshi, who his original name was Yoda after the Star Wars character. And then they changed it to Hamato Yoshi. <laughs> um, it had been Yoda still. <laughs> this is our master, Yoda. <laughs> <sighs> Disney would have sued. They're like, um, actually, that's our character. And they're like, like nah, 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 nah. this is Yoda. Yoda, Hamato Yoda. Um, and so at, you were, we were talking about earlier, he was a rat in a cage and he taught himself the art of jitsu by mimicking Yoshi from, from like you know from his cage. Yeah, of course. Well, Yoshi, of course, had a bitter rivalry with a fellow clan member because um, Hamato Yoshi was a part of the Foot Clan because the Foot Clan was different at this time. Like they had like more honor. Yes. Um, and this Foot Clan member name was Aruku Nagi, um, and both Nagi and Yoshi fell in love with a woman named Tang Shen. Um, so, like, the dynamic really is, like, Snape, James, and Lily from Harry Potter. So, Nagi told Shen that um, that she should be in love with him and him only. And she refused. And so, his response was then to beat her. And Yoshi... Oh, okay. So, Yoshi comes home and he sees this and he's like, nah, nah, nah. Like, that's my woman. Um, and he goes into this fit of rage and he kills Nagi in response. <laughs> So, so in like this very honorable foot clan, the act of murder is shunned. Like it's a very bad thing and a very shameful act. And so Yoshi was presented with two choices after he killed Nagi. He could end his own life and just hope that his honor would be restored in his next life, or he could flee. And he chose the latter. So he took Splinter because of course you're going to take your pet rat. Um, and yeah, Shen. When I'm, when I'm fleeing. And we're, we're fleeing to New York. I'm, I make sure... I take my rat. Of course. When I'm fleeing, I make sure that I have my pet rat that I taught ninjutsu to because I know that if I leave him here, he's going to rat me out because he's a rat. (laughs) That's what rats do. That's what rats do. Well, okay. So this murder then sets off this domino effect because Nagi had a brother named Arokusaki who wanted revenge for his death and became a premier ninja of the Foot Clan. I don't know what that means. Like a premier ninja. Like I think like the top ranking ninja. 
And so he gets permission to go to New York and to bring Yoshi to justice. And so he builds up this New York branch and he searches all over the city for Yoshi. And then he finds them. And instead of like doing his duties as a Foot Clan member, he instead murders Shen while Yoshi's away and like just leaves her body to find in their apartment. So really they fridged Shen. (laughs) Um, And then when Yoshi comes home, he gets to jump on Yoshi, kills Yoshi. And during the struggle, Splinter is able to get away and he becomes like an, like an actual New York rat. And it was, he is the subway rat. No, he's the subway rat. Exactly. He's like stealing cheese and like, now he becomes lazy. It's, I'm connecting the dots. <laughs> uh, so it wasn't until like this weird canister fell out of a truck, hit a kid's head, causing him to drop his newly acquired aquarium of baby turtles, which always made me so sad. I was like, if I was that kid, I would be so mad. So mad. Um, but I do love kind of jumping ahead of the history. I do love in the Bayverse how April is the one who had the pet turtles. And so she's basically like getting her best friends back. I think, I, I, a, I think that's weird. You think that's weird? <laughs> yeah. Wait. We'll, we'll talk. We'll talk about it. Later. Well, okay. We'll talk about it later. We'll talk about it later. <laughs> I, I think it's. One. I think it's cool. Maybe because I like sympathize with this child. Mm-hmm. Um. And so the turtles and the rat get mutated by the ooze, and they begin to live in the sewer. And he he named them after a book of Renaissance artists that he found in the sewer because I guess in Splinter's brain, like. He may have been Japanese, but he's like, you know what? I want to name you after these old white men. Maybe they were, like, under Little Italy. <laughs> you know what? That's fair. I never I never considered that. <laughs> they were just like, he was like, what, what's around? Oh, Italy is above us. <laughs> Italy's around. Leonardo. Okay, so, but ima- imagine, hang on, imagine for a second. <laughs> hang on. <laughs> Wait a second. Imagine an alternate universe, okay, uh-huh. in which Matt Murdock uh, doesn't get hit by a truck and is just uh, like a professional boxer with a bunch of turtles. <sighs> that sounds like my fanfiction, Del. That sound you you literally just described my fanfiction. No, is it your fan? I didn't read your fanfiction, but isn't it that like Matt Murdock grew up with the turtles? Yeah. No, well, I'm saying in an alternate world, uh, the, the mutations never happened. He's just, he's just a boxer with turtles. Well, he, okay. If we're going to bring Matt Murdock into this, Matt Murdock wasn't the one who owned the turtles. He pushed the old man who then hit the child, and then the child dropped. Oh. So, like, oh, sorry. Matt Murdock is the reason why this kid lost. Like, I, that kid's going to become a supervillain and <laughs> kill, like, Daredevil. Yeah, yeah alternate uh, universe that, I guess, where uh, the turtle kid, his, his super superhero <laughs> name. Um, his super villain name. There was a vi- this was a villain. Party. He's like, I'm gonna kill Matt Murdock. That that man made me lose my turtles. He's like he's like snapping turtle or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> and and, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, he he re- like seeks revenge on Matt Murdock. And so Matt Murdock spends his entire life then growing up uh, in this world where he's being chased by this supervillain. But then he becomes Daredevil, right? And then is this like an enemies to lovers as well? Yeah, of course. Okay, of course. I don't, I don't know why it wouldn't be. And so, um, it, it's it's like one of those tropes that you see all the time where like the heroes and the villains are like working together, but like they don't know that like you know. Oh, so like, so, like, so Daredevil's working with Snapping Turtle. No, no, Snapping Turtle is the villain, right? To Matt Murdock, but Daredevil's working with whoever Snapping Turtle is in real life. Oh, okay, okay, right? okay, right. Okay, you see, and then like they don't know that like they don't know that like each other is the other person. 
So we get kind of like this miraculous ladybug, except one of them's a villain. I guess. I've never watched Miraculous. I do know the plot of it, though. Um, I tried once. That's okay. I, I, I watched, like, one episode of what, this animation so bad. I'll, listen, I'll sell you on it for an elevator pitch one day. Okay. All right, you could do that. So, after hearing their origins, the turtles' first thought is revenge. <laughs> like, they heard it, they went, obviously, we need to get revenge. Because, obviously, the message of anti-revenge was lost on them. Because, like, you know, if you get revenge, bad things happen. So Raphael challenges Saki to a rooftop duel. Because apparently, like, Oroku Saki was just a very easy person to find. <laughs> he was, he, he was he like, had just a, like, there. He had a neon sign. He was like, Oroku Saki. <laughs> <laughs> Please find me. He lives here. <laughs> <laughs> so the turtles then beat uh, Saki's foot clan. And they began fighting the Shredder. And when they beat him, they demand that Shredder kill himself. And the Shredder, however, is like, well, if I'm going to go down, you're coming with me. And he pulls a grenade out. And Donatello, in his quick thinking, throws his bow set at him, knocks him off the rooftop, and he blows up on the ground instead. And that's it. That's the end? That's the end. That's the end of the origin story. That's the end of the, the, the first issue. Um, thank you. It was, it was absolutely brilliant. Well, see, now now they're they're kind of stuck in this, like, it was a self-contained story. But now, due to this, uh, the sudden popularity, the story now had to continue. And so, they came out with a second issue in 1985, which was almost a year later. And they introduced characters like April O'Neil and Baxter Stockman. And then, so this issue sold 15,000 copies. Oh, and there was a little bit more than last time. A little bit more than last time. And they, sold, they reprinted the first issue and sold 30,000. Oh, nice. So by issue eight, they were selling 135,000 issues at 150 a pop. For So Mikey, who's now currently going by Mike. Okay. Ew, that's gross. Because he's an adult. So he's Mike. Um, he gets arrested for kidnapping the princess. But, you know, he didn't kidnap her. She left of her own accord. Um, but they didn't see it like that because she was like, he kidnapped me. And he was like, what do you mean I kidnapped you? Like, you literally, huh? Um. And they beat him up and they starve him. And he manages to escape prison and then he commits acts of genocide in the uh, uh, Triceraton War against the uh, stri mm, the Striratodons. Um, sure. Because he was bitterly seeking revenge against Siri for the events that led him there. Because Siri actually orchestrated this plan to then have children but without having like a husband so she used him just for his eggs uh. so during all of this no one knew that he had been kidnapped and arrested and they just thought he ran off with this beautiful woman that he met um and then at, also at some point during like this comic run he also became a werewolf for a short time so that's michelangelo interesting Raphael, however, he's five feet tall. Um, he his go-to defense is murder. There is um, a part where he almost smashes Mikey's skull in during oh. a sparring match because he got angry. So, but despite despite this um, attempt at anger fueled murder, he is the closest to Michelangelo. Okay, uh, he's also bitten. <laughs> This was also very funny. He's also been by a vampire-like creature uh, and turned into a giant dinosaur-like mutated version of himself. And with the help of Leo and Casey, they tracked down the vampires who had turned him. 
and they got him to turn him back. He was also attacked by mutant leeches who drank all of his mutation and turned him back into a normal turtle. So like a little baby turtle. Not a turtle. And um, it was only after he ate the leeches that he was able to return to his normal self. Um, he has blue eyes. And April, when, Mike, when uh, Raphael was 15, tried to give him a beer while he was underaged. But he also considers April as a foster sister. I really like that just like that they're like he has blue eyes. April tried to get an underage trick. Um and he loves her. Um Splinter is four feet tall and he adopted the turtles and became a surrogate father to April and he died from a heart attack. Except the version of Splinter that died wasn't actually Splinter, but instead was a mystical clone that Splinter made so that Splinter could become the Damio of the battle nexus in secret and he didn't tell anyone not even his sons and so his sons mourned him until they found out oh no so splinter's always been a little problematic um april april's a very unique case uh because she was based off of kevin's wife april fisher and april was originally planned by peter laid to be an asian woman um though she ended up being portrayed as a, like a cock asian looking woman in most popular like mirage team and t works um with the exception though however of a few more ethnically ambiguous appearances such as in issue four and issue 32 and then when they colorize um in the second printing of issue 32 they made her black so it it was very much like up in the air of what her ethnicity was because no one could decide and depending on who drew her depending on how she looked and so april being black and um rise makes sense we love it she's very pretty um so she runs her father's old thrift store called second time around but not only that, she is kidnapped by Baxter Stockman and experimented on, which leads her to forget who she is, and then she becomes a villain. But she's only able to recover her identity um, when her husband, Casey, unmasks her. And she has, like, this off-and-on relationship with Casey before they're married. Um, and then they raise an adopted daughter together. But then she finds out um, that her and her sister, Robin, which is spelled R-O-B-Y-N, not I-N. Oh, one. So that's a red flag. Um, they were created by her father using this Kirby pen, which is like, remember Kirby, like Donatella's friend? It's mm -hmm. a crystal tied to a pen <laughs> that brings things to life. And April's dad found it because he had this thrift, thrift store and his wife couldn't have children. And so he just made them children. So like in, the, in this universe, with, mm -hmm. with this crystal that turns people, or it turns drawings into people. Uh-huh. Does um, you you said you got it at a thrift store. Well, he he owns the thrift store. Oh, he owns the thrift store. That makes sense. Um, yeah. Does so it it came into the thrift store like someone pawned uh, it. So I think if I remember correctly from my research, um, Kirby was a tenant of the apartment complex that the um the thrift store was in okay. because like that's New York for you, yeah. and he had left the pen or he had like lost the pen or something and april's dad found it and he found it did he know that like it, or did he just start drawing i think he just phone? started like doodling and they started like coming to life and then his wife just kept not being able to carry their children <laughs> and, and so he went you know what i'm gonna do yeah 
and he, so he Much. made he made them children um and at first it didn't work so he just had all these babies lasting for a few days and then dying but somehow he found a way to like if he made them older they would stay longer and so her and her sister were made and then it was never discussed until she stumbled upon it accidentally and then when she and when she finds out she reacts like she's she's with Casey they have a daughter and she finds the sound is very like world shattering for her so she runs away to Alaska of course uh, as you do yeah as you do as you do when Wait, you find so out is, is this daughter like th- it's not april's biological daughter right? no so I'm, I'm about to tell you how we got though, yeah i'm about right? to tell yeah. you how we got here no sorry uh, I, for a second i was about to be like is this a drawing like is this <laughs> it's this child like how drawing like can, can april conceive I yeah know. um so now i'm gonna tell you about my favorite character ever in the ninja turtle universe arnold i hate that <laughs> arnold bernard casey jones I hate this. Don't ask me how we got Casey from Arnold Bernard. But we, we're here. Like, we could have called him AJ. ABC. ABC. Oh, ABC. Nice. Um, so, he has a very sad life. So, the Purple Dragons burned his dad dad's auto shop, killed his dad, kidnapped his mom and sister, and then beat up Casey all when he was a child. And when they beat him up, they gave him severe brain damage, which led him to have just, like, really bad anger issues. So he grows up, like, jumping from foster home to foster home, um, practically homeless. He grows up with zero friends, and he owns, like, six televisions that he's, like, stolen. Um, and he just watches TV, and he forms this parasocial relationships with action characters in his shows. Um, when he was older, he accidentally killed a teenager who tried to rob him and it sent him into like this drunk spiral and he ruined his relationship with April over it. And then, so April leaves him and moves to California and Casey, he decides that, you know what, I need to be a better man for April. So he cleans himself up and he begins his trek from New York to California. Um, but while he's traveling, he meets this pregnant woman named, um, Gabriella and the two begin dating and she dies in childbirth which leaves Casey with this newborn that he names Shadow, um, who he adopts and raises. And then, so he moves back to New York because now he has a daughter, like this newborn. Um, April then comes back. They get married. They start raising Shadow. They try to have children of their own, and that's when April finds out that she was created into existence by this magical pen. And she leaves. It's so strange. It's so depressing. Casey, as a result of his wife leaving him, Gets really drunk, meets with Karai. He doesn't remember what happened, but Karai is, you know, like wakes up the next morning with her, and Karai's like, "We didn't do anything." But it's like, "Yeah, you did." Just because he was so drunk, he doesn't remember. You had, you were with Karai. So that's the Mirage comics. It's an absolute roller coaster, and that's seventy-five issues. Um, so then, the Mirage comics they go, and then in. 1996, the Turtles were sold to Image Comics, which had a 23-issue run before it was canceled in 1999, so three years. Um, It focused more, though, on physical consequences, which, Del, we've been friends for a while. You know how much I love physical consequences. Like, that's my my favorite thing. So Leonardo. Every single time I have a conversation with Mel, like, I think this character should be dead by now. And I'm like, okay. Like, this man should have 17 scars and none of them are in the show. And you're like, it's the production. Three limbs. And you're uh, like, that's the production value. And it's like, no, no, no. Fox needs to do better. <laughs> um, so Leonardo, he loses his hand. Um, it was actually eaten. 
It was eaten. It was eaten. I don't know who ate it. It was. Just, <laughs> I think like a, I think like a crocodile got it. It, 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 it just mysteriously <laughs> disappears. And it's like, yeah, my hand was. Shoot off. No, no, no. Um, Raphael, his face becomes really scarred from just like fighting. Um, Splinter becomes a bat with a B, B A T. Um, and he, he becomes a, a bat? Yeah, so the rat becomes a bat. How? I, I don't know. <laughs> I, vampires, maybe? They're in the universe. Um, and Donatello becomes a cyborg because he was shot at while he was in a helicopter and then fell out of it. And all these cyborgs found him and they said, you're one of us now. Um, and then in a startling plot twist, Raphael t- takes the identity of the Shredder and he assumes leadership of the foot. Oh, wow. Now, please ask what's going on with my favorite turtle. What's going on with your favorite turtle? So Michelangelo... <laughs> <laughs> Um, he actually, he becomes a writer, you know, he he wrote fan fiction in his youth. He becomes a writer and a poet. And actually Oprah, Oprah Winfrey makes his book, one of her book club books. Oprah Winfrey. Oprah Winfrey. (laughs) Oprah Winfrey. (laughs) So in canon, Michelangelo is friends with Oprah Winfrey. Um, so Casey, he's still a drunk. Um, so he drinks more. He actually gets shot at one point. Um, he lives, but he gets shot. Um, Shadow gets Leo's robot hand because he didn't, like, Donatello makes him this robot hand, but he thinks it's, like, weird. And so Shadow's like, can I keep this? And he's like, sure, kid, you can keep my robot hand. So Shadow has three hands. <laughs> Shadow now has three hands. Um, and she's also kidnapped by her parental go- uh, parental grandfather, um, so her dad's dad, uh, who is a member of the New York mob. And so he kidnaps her. He oh, of re- he is. Yeah. So he kidnaps her. He renames her Maria Isabella uh, Puzzarelli. I think that's how you pronounce it. Sure. And then I don't know. I'm not looking at it. Uh, and then he baptizes her against her will. And then Mikey comes, dresses a priest, and rescues her. So what do you? What are your thoughts on that continuation of the Mirage comics? Um, I'm. I'm I still can't get over the fact that. <laughs> Leo's head was mysteriously <laughs> it probably like was in the con- but like I was trying like I was looking up like how did Leo lose his hand it was like it was eaten okay who ate it no one knows no one wrote about it that's so funny uh, so Peter and Kevin they were business partners friends they were the co-workers of something that to this day we constantly see in the media and it was a relationship that could withstand anything and everything or that's what everyone thought because dun, in dun dun. dun 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 because in 2001 when peter brought the ninja turtles back to mirage he did it alone he <gasps> chose to no decanitize image short-lived storyline alone all because of a television show from 1987 to today there's always been something ninja turtle in the media from tv shows to movies to musicals and albums the turtles have been there. In 1987, Playmates Toys teamed up with Animation Studio, and I'm gonna butcher it, Mur- <laughs> Murakami Wolf Swe- Swenson to create the first ever television show for the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> Do you think, like, if we play this? We'll get, like, in trouble. Do you think Spotify will, like, take it down? I don't know. That's why I'm only playing... 
Oh, that's why I'm only playing a few seconds. I don't know how that works. <laughs> I don't know how it works either. We'll, we'll see. Um, so it showcased the turtles in different color bandanas, like the ones we see now, gave them more goofy personalities and a love for pizza, which we did not see in the Mirage comics. It was marketable to parents and families because it was extremely child-friendly. Uh, Del? Mel? <laughs> What do you think the turtles were called in Europe? Uh, ninja mutant turtle teens. I don't know. <laughs> you just 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 swoop the swoop the words around. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so actually, they were called the teenage mutant hero turtles because was ninja funny. was too violent. And I, I want you to keep that in mind for a later time because it will come up again. So. We always call, like, the OG run the 87 run. But, mm. like, he- here's the thing, Del. The yes. pilot is a five-part miniseries that started September 14th, 1987. Mm-hmm. Okay? But the show didn't officially begin until October 1st, 1988, almost a full year later. That doesn't matter. So it should be the 88 run. That so whatever. sound as good. Because you okay. know what else happened in 1987? The what fight of 87 from Five Nights at Freddy's. Oh, you're so right. But here's the thing. What if Obviously, we just called it the 88 run, and then it was the bite of 88? But that, do- it that doesn't make any. But that doesn't make any sense. Because, in fact, the Ninja Turtles have nothing to do with the Five Nights at Freddy's universe. We don't I'm know that. i making a silly little connection. We don't know it's that. it's funnier if instead of an animatronic, it was a Ninja Turtle. <laughs> Okay, so it was, it was Raph. He just bit a child. He just no. That's how Leo lost his arm. No, <laughs> it was the bite of eighty-seven. Yeah, why would you? Oh, um, so this show it ran um, from nineteen eighty-seven to nineteen ninety-six and ran for ten seasons. Um, Del, did you ever watch the OG Ninja Turtles? Oh, I sure have not ever in my life. Oh, okay, okay. For um, the little bit that they uh, they put in the uh the, in the 2012 the, the 2012 but that's still like it's new it's not yeah not a lot levels, but it's um yeah. okay what i've seen the i've seen the clip that um i've seen like 20 times on tiktok the with their mini the, baby turtles <laughs> yeah. from season four okay yeah. uh yeah it's called like mikey's toy or something like that um what do you know about the the 87 run just that uh is that the one where uh, Michelangelo's weapon gets replaced? It is, yeah. With the grappling hook, yeah. Okay. Uh, I know that. Um, okay. We'll talk about that later, but yeah. Uh, and the, the, the Krang has a really weird body. Mm, mm-hmm. Giant man. We'll also talk about that. You're just like bringing up everything. I, I'm so I know so many things. You know also, so much. Also, Rob Paulson voices Raph, uh, and Rob Paulson like follows me around. Like every time I watch an animated thing, Rob Paulson. I thought you it. meant like he like followed you on social <laughs> yeah, media. He, no, he actually Rob Paulson actually like stalks me. No, it's just every every single time I watch something, like Rob Paulson's just in it. And, Rob um, Paulson plays the 2012 Donatello, right? Yeah, he sure does. Um, so I it's saw really funny. They have a little crossover. Um, I saw an interview um with with rob and they said would you ever play a ninja turtle again and he said there's not enough vodka in the world <laughs> I, I just thought it was silly goofy in one of the uh crossover episodes from 2012 because there's two 80s crossover episodes in 2012 um but they have because rob paulson is of course 
a fourth of the Ninja Turtles in each version. Of course, of course. Um, but they, he's collecting they have... them like uh, Infinity, <laughs> Infinity, like Infinity Stones. Yeah, uh, they have a little moment where uh, '80s Raph is like, "And what's wrong with your voice?" And Donnie's like, "What's wrong with my voice? What's wrong with your voice?" But they're the same fucking yeah, voice. <laughs> <laughs> I love that for us. It's, it's really funny. That's all I know. I know Rob Paulson. I know Grappling Hook. I know Big Crane. Okay. Okay. Perfect. Um, so, I'll, luckily, you have me. I'll tell you a lot about them. Yeah. So the course. origin story is almost identical to the Mirage comics, with just a few uh, discrepancies. So Playmates, the the creators of the show, they thought that killing Yoshi was too violent so instead they had yoshi become a mutated rat that took on the name splinter after he became the giant rat which is the better version but also why splinter why did he name himself splinter uh he cut his finger and went oh splinter oh that's a that's a fun name um oroku saki was also one of his students so it was one of yoshi's students who then turned against yoshi uh, and turn the whole Foot Clan against him. So, like, very like Luke Skywalker, Ben, Kylo. Nice. Of him. Um, the series also introduced Krang, which you talked about, who is a disembodied alien brain. He was a alien brain. He was just a brain. From Dimension X. So that's why he, like, had this, like, robot body, because he wanted a body again. So, so in, in, uh... The 87 universe, he's just the brain. He's, he's not just the body. No. It's just the brain. Interesting, because that's not how it works ever again. <laughs> that, nope, never again. So, so he's like this disembodied alien brain, and he ruled his his um, native realm with an iron fist until he was stripped out of his body and banished to Earth. Interesting. Um, so, Krang, um, jokes aside, uh, he was the brains of the operation, okay. and Saki, who goes by Shredder, was the brawn. So, um, is his name Krang? Yeah. Like, so okay. Just... Yeah, so he was, the, like, this guy named Krang, and he was, like, super evil. So it's not the name, like, the species? No. That's... It's so no, funny okay. how much things change, just, like... Well, yeah, so I'm actually... I'll talk about that later as well, but okay. um, the, the new... The, the, blah, blah, the 2012 on changed a lot of things. Yeah, um, um, I... Another another thing that I uh this this also has to do with eighties Krang um uh this is just a personal thing I hate the way his voice sounds I <laughs> I don't like that it just will randomly get like really deep <laughs> oh yeah I I hate that I think it's so weird um so the show it also gave us characters or also brought from the Mirage comics Baxter Stockman April O'Neil and Casey Jones but it also brought along with them some new villains named Bebop and Rocksteady of course uh, we also got the fun catchphrases that we associate with the turtles today such as Kawabunga, Go Green Machine and Go Tur- Green Machine. Turtle Power I want turtle you to know power. that the the turtles because they said Go Green Machine they were big advocates for um less pollution like they were very big advocates for the green party for like captain planet for all of that nice of course um what do you think some of the controversies were regarding this show violence number one okay easy i know that they got rid of his nunchucks um (laughs) i don't know i i 
feel like there has to be something about the fact that they're like turtles that live in the sewer. <laughs> like someone has to be like, that, that's disgusting. No people should live in the sewer. And they're, like, they're not people, they're turtles. You don't understand, Dad. They're turtles. Um, okay, so we already talked about the name change, but the but you're right. So like uh the UK also thought that nunchucks were so violent um that they began editing out scenes of Mikey using that weapon. Um, even at the expense of the story, like you could be watching the show and then just it skips a whole fight scene and skips like whole scenes because he's holding his nunchucks and you're like, what happened? Who knows? He's, he's just holding them. Um, it also edited out some phrases like let's kick some shell and bummer. A bummer. It, um, it got so bad that in season four, they began to slowly phase out Mikey's nunchucks. Um, and they replaced it with the turtle line, which you were talking about earlier, which was a turtle shaped grappling hook that wasn't used just by Michelangelo, but every turtle used it Um, because they're like, okay, it keeps getting edited in the UK. So we're just going to get rid of it completely. Um, Starting in season five, the nunchucks weren't even kept on Michelangelo's belt anymore. And they just disappear without any in-show explanation. He just now had the turtle line. They were actually drawings. Um, and they their time it just their they, time they, right yeah yeah they were they were the Kirby drawings. Uh, they, they they couldn't use them anymore. They poofed. They and like away. okay, my whole thought process when I was like, like I remember I learned that when I was like maybe eleven, maybe ten, and I was like, wow, how how like accessible were nunchucks at this time? Like how many ninjas did the like the United Kingdom have running rampant in the streets? them to be like we need to get rid of the ninjas there was a big ninja problem in the 80s like was like was prince harry running around with nunchucks and they're like we need to be stopped like he didn't talk about in spare but i bet it happened uh so the turtles in the 90s so now we're in america this is an american controversy the turtles in the 90s as a whole like as a whole brand um were also like in this heated lawsuit in california over the banning of Ninja Turtle um, shirts in classrooms. And oh. students were, like, actually sent home if they wore anything that was connected to the Turtles. Which, um, because the teachers and, like, the staff, and, like, they just said that it was um, feeding into a warrior cult culture. Mm. So, there was a panel held that had 50 women and two men to discuss the censorship. And people sold shirts at this event. Uh, one shirt was a Ninja Turtle with a red circle slash, you know, like the no sign. Yes. And then another one was like the exact same shirt, but instead of the Ninja Turtles, it said censorship. And so like, it was like, pick your side, choose your battle. Ooh. And so like the panel people wore these shirts. which <laughs> is very funny. And I want one. Yeah, I want one too. I think they're funny. I want, I want one that's like on the front. It's the turtles on the back censorship. That'd be fun. <laughs> So a, a psychiatrist named uh, Carol Liberman, because I actually found like the the news article from LA Times um, from like this this panel. Um, so Carol Liberman said that quote when children play with violent toys like Ninja Turtles, their play becomes aggressive. End quote. Wow, that's exactly what they say about video games. <laughs> I want you to know. 
It's almost like teenagers can't have fun things. <sighs> no. Wow. But I want you to know, Del, I owned a few, like, Ninja Turtle toys, like, from different eras, like, some from the 87, some from 2003, like, just different ones from the everywhere. The only Ninja Turtle toys I ever, own- I ever owned were the, like, McDonald's 2003 <laughs> Ninja Turtles that had, like, the weapons and the shell or whatever. Yeah, those were my favorite. Yeah. They, I they, had those ones. They've done multiple versions of those um, just throughout the years with, like, different adaptations. I had, like, a Michelangelo and a Raphael that were great. Uh, I don't remember which one I had, but I sure had them. I sure had them, yeah. I sure had them. Um, I want you to know, like, keep that in mind. So I had all these Ninja Turtle toys. The most violent playtime that, like, I can remember. So I'm 22 now. Uh, it was when, like, the Hunger Games was getting big. Like, I, I read all the books. So I had a Hunger Games with my toys. And I used, like, a salad spinner to be, like, to <laughs> choose people. And I just remember this very, like, emotional scene where, like, Kermit the Frog was saying goodbye to, like, his girlfriend, Jesse oh from Toy God. Story. And then he, like, died. And it was so depressing. And so Jesse had to get revenge. Not Kermit. Um, I love the Muppets. <laughs> I love the Muppets. Um, I love so the Muppets. It, um, so another point was made by Walter Durade, who said, quote, um, that he had just tuned into his first Ninja Turtle show and found it to have high moral theme of four men learning to follow a role in the battle against evil, end quote. Um, he also, he pointed out that taking away the superheroes um, merely denies the teachers a tool for guiding children to an understanding of their aggression. So it, the the whole panel it ended with like this threat of lawsuit due to it being a violation of the First Amendment. Oh. Uh, and that, oh, that so. <laughs> yeah, so that was the controversy with the show. Um, so let me just tell you some of the most out of pocket uh, plot lines of the '87 I show. To, I would love to hear them. So in the '87 show, like I said, there's ten seasons. So season one through seven, they're very lighthearted, they're very funny, and then seasons eight through ten, they take like this very darker tone. So Leo, he has like one of the most out of pocket storylines, uh, just like in the Mirage comics. So he has this human attraction once again. Once again, it is so Leo and humans. <laughs> really, <laughs> Leo has a has a type, and it's always humans. It's humans. Um, uh, it's also people who like have swords because she's a swordswoman, and her name is Lotus Blossom. Mm. Uh, Krang hires her to replace the Shredder. Um, oh. so she was made to be his Electra to his Daredevil. Okay, and the whole time she's trying to convince him to join her, and her like we need to. Like, this is the only way to do anything. And he's like, no, I can't follow you like that. Um, another random thing is that Casey Jones is never seen without his mask. I knew uh, that, too, actually. He he only appears in five episodes. I love Casey Jones. And that's, a, that's, that's a thing we have in common. Our I love Casey Jones. Casey Jones. One of, uh, one of the episodes that he's in, um, the turtles are trying to break into a um, a business building. Um, because like it's run by the foot or something and so they ask Casey to do a job interview so Casey shows up in like this nice suit wearing his ski mask and gets the job <laughs> I wish that's how it worked it, it was most out of pocket so funny um, so he's this major part in the comics he was only in five episodes April um, she loses her position in the show as a scientist and small business owner. So she's not that at all in the show. Instead, they make her into a reporter um, to give the turtles this inside what's happening in New York because the internet didn't exist yet. And so April was like, hey, April, what's going on with New York? And she'd be like, oh, the Foot Clan's invading. And they're like, the Foot Clan's invading. Then they go and fight the Foot Clan. 
Um, but one of the biggest changes from Mirage Comics to the show was that they changed Baxter Stockman's ethnicity um, from being African American to being white. And then they also they made him white, and then they turned him into a human fly. The fly thing happens. The, the fly thing a happens. Couple times. But like I, I've never I've never seen a white Baxter stock. Yeah, so the 87 show, he looks like a little like mouse man. Um here, I, I'll send you a, a photo. I have one pulled up. <laughs> I was just about to Google it. Don't worry, white Baxter Stockman can't hurt you. He's not real. He's, He's not real. <laughs> you know what my first thought was? Hmm. He kind of looks like Mark Hamill. Do not say that. I just got you know not, what? Not Your like hair, but like the face. No, you're right. He looks like his Mark Hamill uh, when he's doing the Joker voice. Yes. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That's it. That, I, I saw him and I went, he kind of looks like Mark Hamill. You're right. But like, in like, like Mark Hamill was like sent through like an AI imager, you know, so it's not like exactly yeah. him, but like it's close enough that I could look at him and say, yes, I know who that is. Peter and Kevin, they don't like this show at all. Like it's super successful. They're not fans. Uh, when they originally saw Krang's, uh, or yeah, Krang's android body, they thought it resembled a sick Pillsbury Doughboy, and yes. asked if, and asked yeah. if it could be changed. Um, spoiler alert: it couldn't. Um, and years later, Peter, in retrospect, said that this problem was the harbinger of problems to come. <laughs> the Pillsbury Doughboy. The Pillsbury Doughboy. The end of the Ninja Turtles. <laughs> uh, so they also attended a few of the voiceover sessions. And so uh, the 87 run was very unique because they had everyone come in and they recorded together instead of one person recording. And then they just took the audience. Like they all sat in the room and they just had fun with it. They were like all best friends. Um, and Peter and Kevin were so uncomfortable with what they were hearing that they just left. Oh, no. And they never came back. Uh, they didn't like the show that it changed from being like super dark um, to being super fun. Um, but because they didn't own the rights to the TV version of the series, they couldn't do anything about it. Uh, and Peter says, like, this is like just the beginning of their problems. Like everything about the show was just like the beginning of their problems. They also didn't like Bebop and Rocksteady. <laughs> How could you not like Bebop and Rocksteady? They're too goofy for them. Um, so <laughs> too goofy. Too goofy. Get, get them out of here. They're too goofy. So in the 1990s, the franchise saw its peak, and thus it brought this live-action adaptation, which we see so often with popular comics. So in the 1990s, Mirage Studios teams up with Jim Henson's Creature Shop to create the first ever Ninja Turtle live-action film. Once again, I love the Muppets. I love Jim Henson. I think he's a cool guy. Wish, <laughs> wish he was still alive. Yeah, wish we he love was you, still man. Alive. We miss you, man. Um, this so Jim is dedicated to Jim. <laughs> this episode is dedicated to Jack Kirby and Jim Henson. Um, <laughs> so Jim Henson said that it took 18 weeks to craft the original suits, and that they were the most advanced creatures he's ever worked on. And Del, I don't know about you, but 18 weeks sounds like such a short time to create the masterpieces that were the live-action Ninja Turtles. How long? How long is eighteen weeks? Six? You know what? It sounds like so it's short. Almost, it's almost like five <laughs> months, I think. Yeah, like it's five months, but that like I would I would think it would take like a year or so. But it's Jim Henson, so like he was like eighteen weeks. There you go. Um, another thing with this movie is that many major studios, such as like Disney and um, 
other major studios that I can't think of. Um, they turned down the film for distribution because they worried it would be a box office disappointment. And it was only like halfway while they were like already filming it and producing it that they found a small independent production company called New Line Cinema, um, which up until that point had been distributing low budget B movies and art house fair to produce and distribute their movie. So it was like halfway through, they're like, oh, we finally found someone. So they were like really like riding on like God's luck or something. Um, it had God, he's a, notoriously a big fan of the Ninja Turtles. Of course, um, of course. Uh, it had a budget of thirteen point five million dollars. And Dell, how much do you think it made in the box office? Three, three dollars. <laughs> you are just like lowballing these turtles. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's uh, like you know how you know how whenever you're like looking at like a room of people and someone's like, how many people do you think are there? You could be like at least like five. And you know, it's, you're not wrong, because there are at least five. You're not but... wrong. It, it's like that one episode, like the pilot of Bob's Burgers, where it's like, Tina, how many toothpicks are on the floor? <laughs> That's you. Um, so no, so they actually uh, made $202 million. Oh, that's more than three. It's more than three. Uh, it grossed $135 million, which made it the highest grossing independent film ever until the Blair Witch Project unseated them nine years later. Oh, Wow. The Ninja Turtles. So the plot of the movie, as you know, you've already seen it, but the plot of the movie follows the Mirage comics, but it's not like fun and goofy, like their animated show, uh, which was still airing. Fun and goofy is how the turtles should be. They are are the silliest sillies, and they deserve that. Absolutely. Donatello deserves to have a few war crimes here and there, but he deserves to do it while goofy. Yes. So, um... It was produced and, like, it came out when, like, the show was still running and so, like, super popular. And Live Entertainment Inc. announced that the mo- the film would go to VHS via its family home entertainment label on October 4th, 1990, which was exactly 10 years before I was born. Pizza Hut actually engaged in a $20 million marketing campaign tied into the film despite no actual Pizza Hut product placement going into the movie. They actually use like Domino's or something. <laughs> like it was like something random. Um, but items included advertising in print, radio, television, and several rebate coupons. Um, and then Dell, do you remember how I told you that like the UK just thought nunchucks were very dangerous? Yes, I do. They remember. still they still think they're dangerous. Um, so once again, they take out the they nunchucks. Still think they're dangerous today. Do you think this is an ongoing issue? The UK just has a vendetta against against ninjas. Against ninjas. I mean, the queen's like gone now. Maybe like, it was God- the queen. Maybe, maybe the queen- I think it, I think it might have been Elizabeth. Maybe the, maybe the maybe Queen Elizabeth once got attacked by, by a ninja. ninja. Right, we're really alienating any people who listen to us from the UK right now. Um, Please, t- no, no. I want to know. I want to know. England. I want to know if the UK and Germany, because they also make it a surprise appearance, if they. Um, know anything about this ninja hatred? It, yeah, is it um, still an ongoing thing? Because I know, like, I think they're still called the Hero Turtles over in the UK. So, um, anyone in the UK, specifically, I guess we're looking for England, um, out of the UK and Germany um, and Germany. Um, do you uh know? D- did Queen Elizabeth hate the Ninja Turtles? Uh, write your answer in an email. <laughs> Yeah, email, send us send us your answer in an email to uh, <laughs> Dylan, Mel- Dylan Mel- 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 Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, 
And so, so they're once again taking out scenes and spoilers for anyone who hasn't watched the movie, but I already told you basically what happens like an hour ago. Um, but they took out Shredder's death scene, uh, which was him falling off of a building and into like the back of a garbage truck, you know, where like the garbage pours and it's, you know? Yes. And Casey Jones, he like does the, like the innocent whistle and then like turns on like the garbage. He's like, "Uh oh, who did that? And like smashes him uh-oh somebody trashed somebody. the shredder oh whoopsie daisy um and that was like heavily cut in the uk version in the german version they go one step further because they change all the fighting noises into like these silly goofy sound effects <laughs> like the boing you know yeah um and there's actually there's no way of getting rid of them unless they redub the entire movie because they're like tied into the german dub no poor germany i'm so sorry we also we got two songs from the um the album we got spin that wheel from height by high tech three it sounds like like this so we got that song of course and then we got um turtle power by uh crime spelled with a k so turtle power is literally just a recap of the whole movie and a place in the credits um yeah crime is spelled oh sorry it's called partners and they're the artist who made it's called partners in crime spelled k-r-y-m-e oh um what are your thoughts on the first movie when we watched it together the first movie um yeah i think it's funny um, how much of the first movie they reincorporated into the 2012 show because it's literally like almost all of it like mm-hmm. happens again it's very mm-hmm. weird um i think casey jones is a silly goofy little guy um i agree he's like a full-grown man i agree um yeah it, it's it's a it's it's a movie it's not bad um it's on fun. my on my uh, letter review, I just have like Raphael's quote where he goes, Splinter! As, as my review, giving it three and a half stars. Um, but I yeah, do... I'm like, it's, it's a movie. I like it because it's, the it's goofy. Turtles, but... um, Casey Jones, very hot man. He's played by um, Elias uh, Coates. And I think he's very hot. Like, he's such, <laughs> like a, he's such a simp for April and such like a himbo. Very hot man. Um, so this movie's success, because I was telling you about like how Pizza Hut mm-hmm. did all this production for it. They actually sponsored a musical called Coming Out of Their Shell Tour. Del, have you ever heard of this tour before? I have not. I'm so glad I'm experiencing this with you. So um the first movie is super successful, like we talked about, um, and they're making a sequel. So Pizza Hut, they're like, hey, we're going to sponsor you. We're going to make you like this live tour that you're just going to go around the entire United States. You're also going to go to places like Mexico, Puerto Rico, France, Sweden, and Argentina. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so the basic plot of the show is that the turtles are jamming out. They're singing and dancing with these fans. Uh, and then Baxter, or sorry, Baxter Stockman and Shredder come in and attempt to stop the turtles by making people happy. 
And so the Shredder, or Baxter Stockman, he makes this machine called the D-Harmonic Convergence Converter, which is very Heinz Doofenshmirtz of him. Um, and of course, the turtles stop him. But Dell, um, I want you to picture what the turtles look like in the live-action movie, and then I'm going to actually send you right now a picture of the coming-out-of-their-shells um, costumes. I would love to see them. And please describe them to the best of your ability. Terrifying. <laughs> great they look like they're staring into my soul (laughs) yeah um they kind of look like the um the very very early designs that we're getting from mutant mayhem but like worse like like, you know they have like the same kind of vibe but like yeah they're also wearing like straps around their chest which yeah, is, it's giving bondage, and I don't like it. Um, something I really like is their veins. Yeah, they sure they have veins. Um, they're wearing denim vests. Very Eddie. Um, very Eddie Munson. Very Eddie Munson. I almost said Eddie Harrington, and that was not the answer. Eddie Munson, um, who, for all of our listeners out there, Mel told me last night that she forgot Eddie Munson died. I really did. I was reading a fan fiction of a Steve Harrington and Eddie Munson fan fiction, and they're talking about like what their plans are after they def- after they've now defeated Vecna. And I laid there and I was like, "What are Eddie's plans? Like, what what's he gonna do in season five? Like, is he gonna be like Robin? Is he gonna join them? But I know he's graduating, so is he moving out of Hawkins because it just like literally collapsed? And I like sat at my bed. And I was like, "Oh no." He died. I, I keep looking at Donatello in this. I can't. He's like looking through me. I don't like it. Let me tell you about this band. Okay. I would so the band it. consisted with Donnie playing the keys. Leo was on bass. Mikey was the lead vocalist and played the guitar. And Raph was on drums, percussion, tenor saxophone, and vocals. Tenor saxophone. So Splinter, April, and they Shredder and Shredder, they all join at some point throughout the show. Uh, I want you to guess. I know you've been lowballing me for a while, but I want you to guess how many cassette copies they sold. Cassette copies? Yeah, of, of this tour. I'm going to highball this time. Okay. Uh, 500,000. Three million. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, three million. Um they also there um there's an exchange so they like uh, they filmed it and they also sold vhs versions of the live tour and del i'm gonna send you the script of this exchange that happened and i want you i don't know um, if i want to see it okay so so don't read it beforehand i'm gonna okay. play i'm gonna play shredder and you'll play the kid okay okay all right all Good. right this is why i go to theater school perfect okay, okay. shredder Pointing to kid and audience, what's your name? Peter. Is that your sister? Cousin. Cousin, what's the matter? Couldn't get a date. <laughs> what? <laughs> um, so there's also a song um, that, um, that Raphael sings. It's an anti-crime, anti-fighting song called Walk oh. Straight. Of course, um, a-, a cab, uh, Raph. Yeah. Um, and let me let me play for you the chorus, um, and I want your thoughts on this. Okay. 
Um, so if you didn't catch it, one of the the lines was to be straight. Yeah, I, I sure heard it. Um, this is what uh cool conversion therapy sounds like. Yeah, but I want you I want you to imagine you're a queer Ninja Turtle fan. And you're in the audience, and you just hear Raphael yelling at you to be straight. I told you, it's cool conversion therapy. It's cool conversion therapy. I don't know what else you can take from that. <laughs> um, so some of the ways that they advertised this show was through commercials on television. And one of these commercials consisted of an environmental awareness one with a spinning Mother Earth that had a human face on it who was bashing us for tearing down rainforests and such. I wish you'd come back. We I wish you would now. come back. Amen. <laughs> where is Captain? Most, where where is Captain Planet when we need him the most? Um, but Dell and anyone who's listening to this, if you are interested in any of the music from that show, from coming out of the Shell tour, it is all on Spotify. Oh my God, you're kidding! I listened to it and I got a text from a few friends who have my listening history, and they're like, "Are you okay? Like, what is up with you?" And I was like, "I'm fine. I'm listening to the uh, the tour." <laughs> Um, so there was also a second tour, which was done. Uh huh. Just, so there's like Glee. A, just like Glee. So the first tour was the Coming Out of Their Shells tour. Um, this was a second tour that was done mostly in Six Flags across America. So they didn't actually leave America this time, um, and it was called Getting Down in Your Town. That sounds sexual. It does sound sexual. Um, and it was performed when the second movie came out. Casey was in the show instead of April, um, but they kept his face covered. Um, during the filmed version. So, like, any version you find that was, like, produced by um, whoever made the tour, um, his face is covered. And the guy who played Raphael said that it had something to do with the union. Oh. I, I don't know what that means, because he's also not credited. Um. The only thing I could think of, so there's, like, an actor's equity union. Interesting. And- um, if this is like stage performance, if that's what they're talking about, mm-hmm. um, it might be that they had to be part of like the equity and like there's you can only cast like so many people in like equity roles for like certain things and like you have to have like a specific. It's weird and confusing and I don't okay. understand it, um, because I'm not in it. Um, right. But then like there's the separate there's a separate union for film, uh, which is okay. SAG, the like Screen Actors Guild. So I wonder if like they got like actors who were in like the actors equity or something like that. Um so they'd pay them or like similar unions. I don't know when uh actors equity started. Um but then like he wasn't in like the screen the one for film mm. and they were like well uh whoopsie daisy. Well okay, so here's the thing. So in the live version and people like will swear up and down um, that he looked like the guy who played him in the movies. He looked like Elias. Hmm. I don't know if it's like he looked a lot like Elias or like if it was Elias, but people are like, yeah, that's Elias. Um, he also, he rode a scooter and he sprayed kids with a water pistol. He rode a scooter. <laughs> yeah. Um, sadly, however, it's not on Spotify, but um, the whole thing has been filmed from multiple angles and it's on YouTube. Oh, it's like perfect. A, so you can watch it if you want. Um, so that that was the second tour, which came with the second movie, which was called Secret of the Ooze. And it has this totally different feel to it. So for starters, the actress who played April O'Neil, Judith Hogue, she didn't return because it wasn't fluffy enough. Like that was she's like, it's not fluffy enough. And everyone's like, she also she wanted a bigger pay. 
So that was like her thing. Casey, he's not in it at all, despite being like such like this pivotal character in the first movie. And the turtles don't even use their weapons. So ironically, I do think I like the second movie better. The second movie is so funny. Um, so, so do you remember how I told you that the teachers and parents were saying that the turtles were too violent and like they got rid of them yeah. in schools? Mm-hmm. Um, so in 1991, the studio listened. And so this film, um, when they fight barefisted, or um, in the case of Michelangelo, he uses sausage links in an attempt to tone down the violence. So he like uses sausage links as nunchucks. Yeah, I think I like that scene. I think it's the fun. UK also gets rid of it. Yeah, I told you they have a thing against nunchucks. They have a thing against nunchucks. Maybe raw meat as well. <laughs> yeah, things, raw meat, things, raw meat, and nunchucks. Have, things you can't have in the, the uh, in is it all <laughs> of the UK or is it just England? I don't know. It just always says the UK. Okay, well, so, so I think things, it's like the UK okay, you and Germany. The UK um, and Germany. Um, uh, the the list uh, so far includes the Ninja Turtles, mm-hmm. specifically nunchucks, mm-hmm. and also raw meat. Raw meat, yeah. Uh, so Shredder, just like in the Mirage comics, he comes back from the dead, and he wants to make his own mutant army. And so the original idea, when they drafted it out, they said they wanted Bebop and Rocksteady to come in, and Peter and Kevin vetoed it immediately. And so instead, they make Toka, uh, Toka and Razor, uh, who were played by Frank Welker, who is the voice of Fred and Scooby from Scooby-Doo, who I met while dressed up as Fred, um, and Jim Cummings, who plays Darkwing Duck and Winnie the Pooh, and Pete the Cat from um, um, the Goofy movie. Because he is a cat. He's a cat? Yeah, I'm so sorry to break this news to you. He's a, he's a cat? Yeah, so whenever he says, ow, he goes, Meow? He's a cat? He's a cat. If you look him up right now, if you look up Pete from um from Goofy Movie from Goof Troops, he like he looks like a cat, like you'll see it. I don't think he looks like a cat. Like do you see like the little cat ears, like the triangle cat I, ears? I see them. I just don't think he looks okay. like a cat. Well, he is a cat. So like whenever he, he says like ow, whenever he says ow, he says meow. I think he looks more like a dog. Okay. Like a well, that's that's what Jim Cummings said officially on his TikTok. Okay. Because his wife didn't even know. Well, I don't believe him. Okay. I've, I've heard what he said, and I'm choosing to ignore it. Perfect. So the budget now has a... Uh, the movie now has this bigger budget. It's now $25 million. And they use it to make more animatronic suits and because they make the two new ninjas, the two new mutants. And there is another rap song, except they have this popular rap artist... Named Vanilla Ice. Named Vanilla Ice. It's called Go Ninja, Go Ninja, Go. The Ninja Rap. I listened to the Ninja Rap today on my drive home from work to get ready for this. I'm so glad you did that. Yeah. There's a playlist on Spotify that's called like All Ninja Turtle. Uh, yeah, or something like that. Yeah, I know exactly which one you're talking about. Go ninja, go ninja, go ninja, ninja. Rap. I want you to know that Dell. I knew this um this dance by heart growing up. The dance. The by ninja. Heart. I love ninja. That. Rap. Um, the movie also grows 78 million, which was significantly less than the first movie. Which is funny because it's it's better. Favorite. Yeah, it's better. Um. It's because it's because they didn't have weapons. Yeah, uh, so you know it's not super successful, uh, but it was just successful enough 
for them to make a third movie. Oh, which sucks. So the third movie, I actually, I really do like the third movie because it's so like random. Um, the it's third so movie. Oh, it's a Ninja Turtles movie. <laughs> it came out in 1993, so it's two years after the second one. So the the first one came out a year later. The second one came out, so now it's two years later. The third one comes out. It's called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Three. There's no catchy name. There's no catchy slogan. Nothing. It's just Ninja Turtle Three. Um, so there isn't much on the movie except that it uh, debuted at number one actually in the U.S. box office and grossed 12.4 million. Um, and was screened in 2,087 screens across the U.S. Um, the film grossed um, 42.2 million in the United States and Canada, and 12.2 internationally. And so worldwide, it gave 54.4 um, million, which is not great. Which is not a lot, and I don't know how much it was in 1993, but it just it doesn't sound like a lot, especially no. with the success of the first one. Um, so the basic plot is that the Turtles in April accidentally go back in time and Mikey almost stays, but he's pulled back to the present and he becomes severely depressed about being home. Casey is back and he babysits four honor guards who had replaced the Turtles um, and he teaches them about hockey. Mikey pretends to be a beautiful princess in disguise and he saves a little boy named Yoshi who's not Hamato Yoshi, just a random kid named Yoshi. Just, because just they, a second other kid. Because they can't think of any other Japanese name. Yeah, that's um, the only Japanese name that exists. So they save him from drowning. Leo gives him CPR. Uh, Mikey teaches everyone about pizza, and he forms an attraction. So now it's Michelangelo to a woman named Mitsu, uh, who actually is in love with, like, the samurai. Um, so, like, she's already, like, taken. Um, Raph and Yoshi become best friends. Of course they do. And Splinter, because he's a great dad and he knows that Mikey is depressed, he puts a lampshade on his head and he pretends to be Elvis to cheer him up because that's what Mikey did at the beginning of the movie. So it's it's fun. It's cute. Um, I remember um, there's this one scene, because in every movie it, they have the I love being a turtle scene, um, where someone tries to kill Leo by like throwing a cannon at him. Um, and he ducks his head and he like comes back up and he goes, I love being a turtle. Like, I remember that scene. So we have that third movie. Um, and because we have a new movie, we also have a new musical. Um, so this is a Christmas special that came out in 1994 <laughs> called We Wish You a Turtle Christmas. I've uh, I've seen parts of this one. Oh, perfect. So the plot is, is that the turtles forgot to get Splinter a gift, as you do. And it's Christmas Eve and all the stores are closed. I want you to keep that in mind. All the, all the stores are closed. So they decide to go up to the surface without any disguise whatsoever to decorate a tree in Times Square and sing opera music. Then they go to a store... <laughs> Despite them being closed, they go to a store that happened to be open and they buy him a framed plastic pizza. And Splinter likes the gift so much that he invites over a bunch of children to sing their version of 12 Days of Christmas. And I don't know where these children came from. Did he kidnap them? Were they just like in the sewer? Anyway, it's all on YouTube. It's a half an hour long. Is it Mikey that wears a scarf the whole time? Yeah, so Mikey wears this white scarf because the budget the budget for the um, the Christmas special was so low that the red and the orange look so close in color that they gave him a white scarf and he sings opera music. <laughs> so funny. Um, so they have this third movie. They wanted to make a fourth movie, believe it or not, um, and they wanted to call the movie "The Foot Walks Again," which sure I. Do. Which I thought that, yeah, that's why it's called Foot. I thought that was funny. Um, But Peter, he actually suggested they call it the next mutation. 
Oh, no. So even though there is not a fourth live-action movie, there was a show. And this show would be the straw that broke the camel's back for Kevin and Peter's friendship. Not the next mutation. Not the next mutation. So the next mutation aired from 1997 to 1998. And so it was 10 years after the anime series first debuted and a year after it concluded. It ran for exactly 26 episodes before it was canceled, taking Kevin and Peter's friendship along with it. I'm very surprised it made it that long. So it was a season. It ran for a season. Um, so Kevin... Had he's seen he's seen potential with the show. He thought it was absolutely brilliant, and he pushed it for it. Brilliant. He he liked the idea of like he was thinking we would engage female audiences. Um, we would get more people interested in the live action stuff. He thought it was really fun. Peter, on the other hand, was super against it. Um, but Peter, he eventually like conceded and he agreed to it. Um, but then after the show flopped, Kevin gave up all of his rights to the franchise. No, Kevin. That's my dad's name, by the way. Kevin. (laughs) Love that. So Ninja Turtles is literally a child of divorce. Makes sense. Makes sense. Um, So the premise of the show was that it was a continuation of the live action movies and not the animated show like everyone assumed. Like everyone was like, oh, okay, it's coming out a year after. Obviously, it's just going to be a live action version of the show. It was not. Um... So, Leo, first, he says that the turtles are not biologically related to each other. Um, this was to open a door for the romantic love interest, a female mutant turtle named Venus de Milo. Venus was also known as May Pichi, uh, who is an anamorphic turtle with breasts, because she's a female, um, and her light, her light blue bandana is braided to give her the appearance of hair. Of course, she has boobies. So all I want women have boobies. all women have boobies. <laughs> um, so she got the name Venus. So her name is um, Me Peachy, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and someone was like, "If you translate this, it doesn't mean what they said it means." Like it was supposed to be like, "Oh, like river turtle wind," like something like that. And then someone was like, "If you actually put those words together, it means something else." Like separately, they mean that. When you put it together, it doesn't mean that. Because that's what white people do. Um, mm-hmm. So she got the name Venus instead of her actual name because she broke a statue mid-battle. And everyone was like, oh, you're like Venus. We're going to call you Venus de Milo. And she's like, okay, like I have a, a Chinese name, but I'll take your American name. Thank you so much. Oh, no. Um, she-, <laughs> she got got by the white people she got got by the white people um they also made her very ignorant like she was following into the stereotype of eastern versus western they're like oh you're from china obviously you don't know anything about the real world she's also a woman she's also a woman like women don't know shit yeah so like they made her like super dumb it was like super weird uh because i was like she's probably brilliant if you put her like in her native language of chinese but instead they're like no like she's stupid um and they also made it so splinter knew about her and he would like and they just he was like they'll find out on their own one day and they found out on their own one day yeah, um, see, um obviously venus is the woman's stereotype because you see uh she's <laughs> she's dom and she has boobies and that's all women need yeah <laughs> that's all women need um and so even after the cancellation cancellation of the show venus stayed within the Ninja Turtle continuity 
and she made appearances in the now-deleted letters from the Turtle section of the Ninja Turtle website. And so, Dell, I used the Wayback Machine to find these letters. <laughs> um, I'm going to send you one of them, and I just want you to read it. Okay, is this the same time that you were using the, the Wayback Machine you found, like, the forum or whatever? Yeah, this was when so I found this. what you were looking the, for? Yeah, I found the Ninja Turtles uh, RP forum on 4Kids, but then this is from, like, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles website, which no longer exists, so if you, like, search it up, okay. you get taken directly to Nick. So let me okay. give you a little background for this. Okay. This was um, during Christmas. Okay. During Christmas. Do you yeah. want me to read it? Is that what you said? Yeah, you, go okay. ahead and read it. All right, okay. Hello. And happy greetings of seasons to you. I am from China and am unfamiliar with Christmas and New Year's Eve, but I am learning of this great tradition that you have in America. Christmas is a most holy day, and I will honor it as best as I am able. I must admit that I am a bit overwhelmed with the season. So many colors and so much music and lights and people scurrying about and singing and ringing bells and the traffic and the cooking and the candy and and so much so so very much more. The positive energy being given out at this time is stunning and makes me quite happy. I quite like this time of year in the United States. It makes me feel very welcome. Indeed. My new friends and I have been battling the evil forces of the Dragon Lord and his rank dragons. I promise you that I will not stray from the shinobi's duty to keep these vile creatures from our world. I am duty-bound to do so and will let nothing prevent me from this task, save for death. Enough of such things. Master Splinter tells me that this is a time of great joy for the West, and I will bring no further darkness into this page. I just wanted to... Sorry, this is where <laughs> I had to scroll. Um, I just wanted to assure you that despite the holiday season, we are fighting to protect our world from any who seek to do evil. I hope you are doing well and are healthy and happy, and, this, and that this time of peace and love finds you contented. We are most fortunate to be living in these times of great discovery, but we must work hard to maintain balance and light. Tonight, we are to make decorations and eggnog. I do not know what this eggnog is, but Michelangelo says it is tasty. He is usually right about food, although his musical tastes often leave me bewildered. So I look forward to having some. I must go. I wish you the very happiest holiday season and will speak with you again. Peace be with you, Venus. So basically, these letters um, were made kind of as a way to do their second season plot to deal with the Dragon Lord because they defeat Shredder, but in doing so, they unlock like this demon named like the um, what was it like the uh, the Dragon Lord and his like Dragon his, Rank, his Rank Dragons, his Rank Dragons, um, yeah. who's who's also like a puppet man. That sounds like a like a Pokemon like gym. Like the, <laughs> yeah, no, like it was literally villains. It was kind of like Yu-Gi-Oh! little. Um and so they have like these these letters and you could sign up for like emails and stuff to like get like notifications that they made these letters. Um so after Kevin leaves the company, Peter did everything in his power to erase Venus from existence. He deleted all of her letters, but he kept up the others. And so you would read like these letters and like would mention Venus, but like her letter was gone. And so you miss like these crucial parts of this like story. So like whole storylines went missing, kind of like the UK taking out parts. <laughs> uh, in 2007, when they began the production of the animated movie, Peter gave strict instruction that there would be no mention of Venus at all. He absolutely hates her with a passion to the point like you can't even joke about it with him. 
it's because she's a woman. It's because she's a woman. <laughs> yeah. Um, so even though like the show is canceled, um, the second season had prepared to introduce April and Casey. And they also did a crossover with the Power Rangers show at the time. Isn't that like, I just thought it was goofy. Um, so with the cancellation of the new mutation, there was nothing turtle related on TV or on the big screen until 2003. Um, so Dell, as I, as I was telling you before, I grew up with 2003 Ninja Turtles. I know you're watching the 2003 Ninja Turtles. I hope you're okay with spoilers. Cause that's all I have for you. I'm going to have to be, I, yeah. I do know a lot of what happens already. I'm just watching it for the experience. It's such a good show. Um, so it aired on Fox and four kids on Saturdays and it was followed by GI Joe, which my brother watched. So I would watch Ninja Turtles. He would watch GI Joe. Um, 2003 follows the Mirage comics the closest. Um, so I guarantee you the history and out-of-pocket storylines that this show share are absolutely just as insane. Um, so where are you now, like, right now in the 2003 watch? Um, I am... I'll tell you exactly what episode I'm on. I'm still in season one. Oh. I got I got derailed. Okay. Um, I'm on season one episode 19 tales of leo i got the rail <gasps> um, oh okay tales of leo's I, have you started it yet or like no i haven't started it it's okay what i've watched um, i think i think that's the episode where leo's like literally like in a coma and they all like start sharing like their favorite stories of leonardo that's probably that sounds about right um yeah i got derailed because uh season three of outer banks came out oh okay okay and i've been watching that right <laughs> of course of course of course um so the 2003 show went from 2003 to 2009 it has seven seasons over the course of three shows the teenage mutant ninja turtles fast forward and back to the sewer okay mm-hmm. this was the uh the theme song for oh let me back up a little this was the theme song for the next mutation oh the next mutation <laughs> It sounds so very 90s. Yeah. It's like very Dragon Ball Z. So this was the the theme for the 2003 one. So that's that's uh, the 2003 um, version. Okay. Okay. Um... I meant to pull up another video. I'm just going to slow. I'm just going to really quickly Google it um, because it's my favorite video of all time about the turtles. Um, <laughs> but okay. So, so that was the show. Okay. The first series, like the, the Teen Mutant Ninja Turtles, the one that I just played for you. Mm-hmm. Um, it was compared to Batman, the animated series. It like, you know, more adult uh, themes. And yeah, it was still like kid friendly. Uh-huh. Um, a few things about this show um, they said phrases like what the shell but they can't say the words kill or die like yeah, there's a shell isn't a bad word I don't know shell is a bad word um, at the end of season one you'll get to this episode um, I distinctly remember Casey is like in a rowboat with like the turtles in April and he's like rowing the boat and he like something like blew up or something and Splinter was presumed dead. And he, like, Casey goes, you think he's... And he just, like, gulps and goes very <laughs> quiet instead of saying dead. And everyone's like, no, don't think like that, Casey. So... He got swallowed. Um, and so... Um, it was uh, this show that cemented a lot of the personalities that we see in later adaptations. Leo 
is this perfectionist leader. Um, Raph is a hot-headed but secretly soft turtle. Donnie is the brains of the operation and a big science guy. And Mikey is the wise guy goofball. So they didn't have that in like the 90s versions and the TV show. Um, but they have it in this show. They also put April back in her science roots because in the um, the live action movies and everything else that she had been up to this point, she was once again like just a reporter. So now she's back in her science roots. She works alongside Donnie and Leatherhead and Casey becomes a bonehead with a heart of gold and a simp for April. Once again, Casey is the best character. Casey is always the best character. Um, so this show is also absolutely bonkers to the point where some episodes were actually shelved and not aired on TV for a very long time period season one it was essentially like just the first movie so just like how 2012 is the first movie again Mm -hmm. um season one of the show is the first movie it has the introduction of april casey and the foot clan there's also the purple dragons you know the people who killed casey's whole family and gave him brain damage Mm -hmm. um they also did that to him in this (laughs) this show um um hein baxter stockman and bishop are the main antagonists you have the purple dragons foot clan Baxter Stockman, all of them. Um, the season dealt with the farm from the first movie, the battling of Shredder, and the loss of Splinter. Um, instead of Raphael getting hurt, however, it is Leonardo. Um, April's apartment is still burned to the ground, and at the end of the season, Splinter is kidnapped by an alien species called the Utroms, who uh, look exactly like Krang from the 87 run. Mm. Yes. So they're called the Utrom alien race. Uh, and it was only in later adaptations, like more recent ones, that they're called the Krang. The Krang is just more catchy. The Utram. Um, so season two took us to space. The turtles are caught in a war between the Triceraton Republic and the Galactic Federation. And do you remember when Mikey committed mass genocide? Sure. From like yeah. earlier, like yeah. this. Yeah, yeah. 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 In the comics. Yeah. So that was the species, the Triceratons. Um, he committed mass genocide of the Triceratons. Well, yeah. he fought with the Triceratons to commit mass genocide oh. of like the 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 other no, one. I was, gonna, I was gonna say I didn't think he like killed all the Triceratons. Okay. Yeah. So he helped kill all the other people. Um, they fought over Professor Honeycut, who was yeah. invented by a device uh, who invented a device that they both want. Um, I don't know how they do it in the 2012 version, but in the 2003, Professor Honeycut's like a normal dude who then puts his whole like um like his brain basically like his identity and his thoughts into a robot yeah it's just his whole brain is in a robot who in i know 2012 is play is fugitoid <laughs> who's played by david Tennant. <laughs> yeah. yeah um so the utroms return the turtles from space and they reveal that they were actually healing splinter and they return everyone to earth okay um there's also a gang war because Shredder was gone, and therefore, like, there's this power vacuum. And they help Karai, the adopted daughter of Shredder, take o- over the Foot Clan from Hun um, to return the Foot Clan back to their former glory. But after Shredder is actually revealed to be alive, she betrays them because he's her family. Also, like, he, like, found her in rubble and, like, adopted her. And so, like, there's definitely, like, probably, like, some Stockholm Syndrome going on. Um, and the season ends with the Battle Nexus and the introduction of Mi- uh, Miyamoto Yusagi and uh, M- Murakami Genosuke. So the the Samurai Rabbit and the Samurai Rhino. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so season three, it deals more with space. You get more of John Bishop's backstory. And John Bishop is one of my favorite characters ever. Uh, it also reveals that Shredder actually isn't a man. He's a, he's a little dude in a suit. But yeah, he said he's an Utram with a robot body. So it's basically like yeah. Krang and Shredder like mushed together. Yeah. Yeah. He's a guy in a suit. He's just a guy in a suit. Um, so season <laughs> it's four. Like it's like Scooby Doo. They pull up the <laughs> It was Lucha all along. <laughs> um, so season four is known as the dark season. Leo becomes more bitter and isolated because he almost died while trying to defeat Utram Shredder. Um, he's so edgy to the point um, in episode, I think six is called grudge match um he's so edgy to the point that he literally just tells mikey that if mikey dies during this match um he, while he's defending his family's honor that if he dies while doing it he's a screw-up oh. and, and he's better off dead wow um leo also almost kills splinter when he's sparring with him because he's mad that like splinter hasn't taught him anything new so he almost kills him um and this is also the introduction of the ninja tribunal which will come um more into flourishing in the fifth season. However, the fifth season was so dark that it was shelved uh, despite it being done and complete, and they had fast forward instead. <laughs> so this is the theme song for And see this sounds very 2000. Yeah, so the oh, can I pause you? So this uh fast forward Oh, wait, let me get back to my... It's my favorite. Ready, ready, ready? Also, Sam Regal helped sing the Fast Forward theme song. I said, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Fast Forward. Yeah, so Sam Regal helped sing, and you can, like, hear Donatello. It's really fun. Um, so, season five, which was too dark now becomes fast forward and um the plot of fast forward which is season six technically um because in canon it takes place after season five but it aired instead of season five but it's season six if that makes sense to you yeah okay yes um so fast forward season six that the turtles go to the year 2105 because it's 2005 so they go 100 years into the future um and cody jones who is the great grandson of april and casey jones accidentally kidnapped them and they're stuck there for a year um and a lot of things happen i'll get more into it later when i talk about specific characters but that's basically the plot giving the jonas brothers song year oh year i've been to the year three here's a fun fact for you year 3000 is actually a a cover, cover right yeah yeah um, I don't. I don't remember who the original artist is. I don't know either. Um, so then, one. season seven um, was now a new show called Back to the Sewer. I like this song. I like the like harmonies they threw in. I'm a sucker for harmony. I, I love the, ba- the ba- ba- back to the sewer, teenage mutant ninja turtles. It's so good. There's just something about it. Yeah. And it goes, Leonardo, Donatello, Raphael, and Michelangelo. I love being a turtle. Uh, it's such a fun... Oh. So season seven, they return to their own time. They've been gone for a whole year. And so during their return, however, Splinter's particles get lost in cyberspace. And they spend the whole season trying to get his parts. Um, April and Casey... Part. Yeah, April and Casey are now engaged. And the show ends with them saving Splinter and, the we- and having the wedding. 
Um, the whole season actually is a whole new art style, but brings back characters from seasons one through five. Um, so they're they're battling Cyber Shredder. Cyber Shredder. So like this was so it's two thousand six, and so like the internet was like coming out, coming out, you know. And so you had. Yeah. Did she ever watch Cyber Chase? Like, I was gonna yeah. say it's like exactly like Cyber Chase. Yeah. yeah, I was about to say it's exactly like Cyber Chase. Um, so we're gonna jump back to season five now because now it's gonna air. So season five is where it gets like super interesting because it aired. It didn't air until two thousand eight, despite it being ready in two thousand five. So it's three years later. It's also only 13 episodes. And it's called The Lost Episodes or The Ninja Tribunal. Uh, and the bad guys are trying to bring back the true Shredder, who is an ancient demon. Um, so one of the episodes that I never made to the screen, um, but like was written multiple times, like they had multiple drafts of it, mm-hmm. um, and like concept art, was centered around Hun and Garbage Man. Uh, who you find out were originally conjoined twins who were separated surgically in a back alley and the garbage man was dumped in the garbage because he was deemed the weaker twin. So originally, the idea was that Hun went to a back alley and said, can you get rid of this? And they did and they threw him away. Another version was that when he was a baby, they did it and then they threw away the baby. Um, but at the end of the episode, the garbage man dies in a vat of acid with like his hand like slowly falling into it. And Hun is like, Goodbye, brother. Um, and here's the thing. Peter was 100% on board with this idea. Uh, he just didn't like that Hun didn't have any emotional connection to the garbage man. And everyone's like, what do you mean you don't have any emotional connection to the garbage man? Like, he's, he hated him. Like, why, why would he? Um, so there are two truly insane storylines in the um, um, whole seven seasons. And they're two of my favorite characters. Um, So in this version, we return back to um, Baxter Stockman, who is now an African-American man again. So he was white for 10 years. He's back to being black. Uh, He is a scientist and works for the Shredder. uh, And he is used as a way to showcase just how cruel and evil the Shredder is. Uh, whenever he fails he's punished physically so after the first episode so like literally the first episode season one episode one um the mousers attack whatever yes uh he loses his left eye later he's in a wheelchair with a neck brace and missing his left hand so it's just like really just the left side uh which had been replaced with a robotic prosthetic kind of a throwback to when leo lost his hand when his hand got eaten. When his hand got eaten by Raphael or whatever. <laughs> um, think, uh, Baxter Stockman's hand also got eaten? <laughs> um, so after lying to Shredder, he's reduced to a head on a mechanical spider that's controlled, like voice controlled by the Shredder. Um, he builds himself a body of Utram robotic parts. And then he is punished again and reduced to just a brain and an eye in, the, in a jar. Like it would have been two eyes, but he lost an eye the first episode. Hmm. Um, he begins working under John Bishop, who I adore, uh, and gets a new robotic body. But he creates a clone old body of himself that slowly decays and falls apart, leading to his final death. Uh, however, fun fact, that episode was deemed too dark, uh, and it didn't air until 2015 on Nickelodeon. A season four episode. It's not just wild. So basically, like, he's literally like a zombie who's like his skin's like like falling off of his bones. So what I'm hearing is there's hope for Rise. There's hope for Rise. Um, but Psych, so like, you know, he was dead, and they're like, he's dead. But then 
they were like, yeah, you can't air that. So I was like, okay, we'll just bring him back then. Um, so because the episode didn't air, they bring him back for season six. Um, or, yeah, for season five, sorry, where he's connected with the nanos. And then he's taken in by Bishop again. And Bishop and him have this sexy relationship. Ooh. Because neither of them can apparently die. Um, they're both immortal. Yes, yeah, so they're both immortal. He gets another clone body. And this time it's working, and he becomes the Secretary of Agricultural Agriculture and um, Tech alongside President Bishop in the year 2105. Um, so when I was telling my sister about uh, Baxter Stockman and John Bishop in Fast Forward, I kept referring to um, Baxter Stockman as the First Lady <laughs> instead of the Secretary of Agriculture, because it just rolled off the tongue better. And I was like, yeah, so he's the, like, he's the first lady and Bishop's the president. And she's like, what do you mean he's the first lady? I was like, he, he's literally the first lady. Anyway, um, more people actually do ship Bishop and Baxter. Fun fact, just throwing that out there. It's a very sexy ship. Um, so while, while we're discussing John Bishop, his storyline's also insane. So out of all the Ninja Turtle villains from the show, I remember, I was so scared of him. Like, not in, like, a scared, horny way because I was a child, but now I'm like, ooh, like, he's so hot. Um, <laughs> because here's the thing. He's just, like, a normal dude. Like, Hun was, like, this big man who was, like, seven feet tall, but, like, John Bishop was just, like, this normal dude in a black trench coat and black sunglasses. Like, he was so scary. Um, so during, like, his whole backstory is also pretty unique. Um, so during the 19th century, so, like, it was the 1800s, mm -hmm. he was a U.S. soldier fighting in the Battle of New Orleans. So during this battle, he was abducted by aliens, which probed him and they gave him longevity and then boop, popped him back into Earth, where he became a racist towards aliens. Like, not rightfully so, but like, I, I get it. I, I get the hatred towards like aliens. Um, he became head of a black ops team against aliens for a government called the Earth Protection Force. And his whole goal in the series was to use his captured alien tech to improve humanity's gene stock and build an army of super soldiers by doing secret and quite illegal and unethical experiments on captured aliens and mutants. In Fast Forward, he is the president of a pan-galactic empire and made peace with the aliens for, a human, for the human race, and he's a pretty good dude who feels bad. A pretty good dude. Who feels bad? Like he can't die, and he's like, "Wow, I was like a dick." I mean, I, I feel like that's just what would happen if you live forever. You just like look back on everything you did and went, "Wow, that was shitty." Unless like you're Vandal Savage, like he met like the aliens, he was like, "You know what? We're gonna be friends with them instead." And so then in 2105, when the turtles were like, "He's the present," they try to beat him up, and he's like, "Guys, I'm so sorry for what I did to you." Anyway, this is my husband, Baxter Stockman. <laughs> I read a fanfic once, the Rise fic, um, because uh -huh. you know they never actually got to any of the EPF. Uh, bishop stuff but it's like implied at the end of the movie that mm -hmm. they have one of the krang um anyways i read a fic once where they um kidnapped Donnie. you wrote it no i read it oh okay i've never written a fic that's a <laughs> lie i've never published a fic okay ever. okay i wrote maybe three chapters of a doctor who fic once in my life um, <laughs> but uh anyways uh they like kidnapped donnie and like did a bunch of experiments on him and like they ran him through like this is this is like terrible they like ran him through like a simulator like and they wanted to see how fast he could go and like what his like genetics were. <laughs> and like every time like uh he failed they like shocked him and it was i was like this is brutal and i just kept reading it's what happens yeah or like oh it's a wump 
actually, I'll keep reading. Actually, I also wrote like two chapters of a supernatural fanfic once in a time with a self-insert character. The self-insert character, are you ready for this? Mm-hmm. Um, was a Nephilim who was the daughter of Lucifer. Um, and this is before Jack, Jack. existed wow. on Supernatural. Um, so I want you to know that when I was a child, I also wrote a self-insert character. Like her name was Melissa. And then when I got older, I felt uncomfortable with her being named Al- Melissa. So I named her Alyssa. So, yeah, my, my self-insert had some like funky name in another language that meant something. I don't remember what it meant, <laughs> um, but it was like relevant to like the character or something yeah. like that. Um, okay. Okay. Um, so that was the 2003 show. That was it. It was great. It was fantastic. I loved every second of it. Um, so in 2008, the rights of Ninja Turtles were sold to Viacon, which was the parent company for Nickelodeon. And they concluded the show with a made-for-television film called Turtles Forever. Turtles um, Forever. I remember when this show, like, when this movie aired, like, I was, I remember where I was and where I watched it. Turtles um, Forever sounds like, like, a diary entry. With, like, mm-hmm. Ooh, Turtles Forever. Turtles Forever. So, in 2009, uh, as part of the 25th anniversary celebration, an hour-and-a-half-long made-for-television movie aired. It had the art style of Back to the Sewers mixed in with the original 2003 outfits and character design. So, the 2003 character design was, like, they had white eyes, but in Back to the Sewer, they had pupils. And, like, and, like, actual, like, irises and stuff. Get that out of here. They look, they look adorable in, in the version that they're in, but then when you bring them over to, like, uh, to Turtles Forever is kind of weird. Um, so the basic plot is that the 87 Turtles come into the O3's world and they team up to stop Prime Shredder. Okay. Um, the movie was kind of the blueprints for No Way Home and Spider-Verse. Like, this was one of the first things where they incorporated all their other creations into one thing on, like, a bigger screen. Um, there's one part where the Shredder captures the 87 Turtles and it shows them all these different dimensions. Um, so there was the comics, the live action movies, the 2007 movie. The only media that wasn't featured... Um, can you guess what the only media was that wasn't featured in this little showcase? Is it, by any chance, the <laughs> show that had Venus in it? Uh-huh. The Next Generation. <laughs> yeah. Not not even brought up. Um, but Rosar and Tuca from The um, Secret of the Ooze, they're in the show. Like, they're in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, just as a little, like, blink and you'll miss them type thing, but they're in it. Um, but none of the original 87 voice actors were able to be in the movie. And you want to know why? It's such like a goofy thing. Why? So they were union workers. And four kids said it was too expensive to hire them. Uh, but it was fun and funky. Uh, I remember watching it. I was like at my grandma's house because she had cable. And so she had Nickelodeon. And so oh I remember I drove like an hour with my family to go watch it. I watched the 90s movie for the first time at my grandma's house. (laughs) (laughs) I know that. It was like, I don't don't remember how old I was, but like, I was like in like the guest room at like her Mm -hmm. house. Mm -hmm. And like she had like a little tiny TV and it was like maybe like 11 p.m., which was like late as a child. And I was like, oh my God, the Ninja Turtles movie. (laughs) Yeah. No, no, that was me for Turtles Forever. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not sure where the movie fits in canon, but I'm assuming it's after April and Casey are married. Like, they don't talk about it, but I'm assuming it takes place after season seven. Okay. Um, So, 2003 show is now concluded with Turtles Forever, um, but there was another theatrical release in 2007. So, we're going to go backwards in time. 
Oh, I love TMNT. <laughs> so TMNT absolutely is my I mm, my favorite. It's my favorite. Uh, it, the DVD version came out sometime around Easter, so I got it for Easter, and I watched it on loop. Like it would finish, and I would turn it back on. And my parents were like, "Do you want to like turn that off?" And I was like, "No, <laughs> no, you're silly, goofy." Um, so in 2007, so this was 14 years after the last theatrical release of the Ninja Turtles film, a full-length animated film hit the silver screen. So originally, the movie was announced in the year 2000 with John Woo making it. Um, John Woo made the hit movie Face Off. Do you know what Face Off is, Del? I don't. Would you like to enlighten me? Perfect. Okay. It's a Nick Cage movie where you watch Clone Wars, right? Yeah. Do you remember the episode where Obi-Wan um, pretends to be a criminal and they shave off his beard and they change his face? Yeah. So that's actually the plot of Face Off. Oh, okay. Um, Nicholas, Nicholas Cage's um, son is killed um, in like a random like shooting. And so he um, changes his face into a villain to get revenge. So that like just think like they took that plot and they made a, a Star Wars episode out of it. Um, and so it obviously it didn't happen. So, um, Peter, who, um, is a producer, so Peter Laid, um, said that the film was completely separate from the original three live action films. So, TMNT is completely separate, but the director, Kevin Monroe, said that the fourth in- it was it was the fourth installment. So, it goes like one, two, three, and then this animated one, but Peter's one, like, they're different. One, two, three, TMNT. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and the animators even included like little Easter eggs to tie the movie together. So like on Splinter's wall of trophies, there's stuff from like the second and the third movie. Um, but Peter to this day is like, they're different. <laughs> so I think it's very funny. The cast is also completely stacked. Um, Chris Evans plays Casey Jones. Yes. Sarah uh, Michelle Geller, a.k.a. Buffy, plays April O'Neil. Mako um, Imomatsu, he plays the he played the original Uncle Iroh. He played Splinter. Um, so Mako was announced as the voice of Splinter at the San Diego Comic Con on July twentieth, two thousand six. He then died the next day at oh, the age of seventy two. My God. Um, and so a dedication to Mako appears at the end of the film's credits, um, similar to the dedication at the end of Seeker of the Ooze for. Um, Oh, the Muppets. Jim Henson. Jim Henson, thank you. Uh, for Jim Henson. So although Mako was the only actor credited in the role, in the role, um, Greg Baldwin performed a substantial portion of Splinter's dialogue in the finished film. So Baldwin, he was the guy who already mimicked Mako's voice when he took up the late actor's role as Iroh in the um, animated series after our last airbender. Mm-hmm. And so he showed that to the company. He said, I can take it. I can mimic his voice really well. And so he came on um, after Mako's death. Um, Kevin Smith, AKA silent Bob. He plays the chef who gets attacked by the t- Tasmanian devil. Yes. Um, Sir Patrick Stewart, AKA professor X and Picard. Wait, plays Sir Patrick Stewart, Sir Patrick Stewart. Um, plays Max Winter, uh, Winters, the the immortal guy. Yes. Um, Zaya Zhang plays Karai. Lawrence Fishburne plays yes. is the narrator. Um, Nolan North, aka Connor Kent, in Young Justice, and then several video game characters in Uncharted, Assassin's Creed, and Joel in The Last of Us is Raphael. 
James Arnold Taylor, a.k.a. the animated voice for every animated version of Obi-Wan Kenobi, is Leonardo. Uh, I remember watching a clip of the Leo versus Raph scene, but it was the mm-hmm. audio was the, you are my brother, Anakin, like from the third movie. It was yeah. peak because it, it came out two years or a few years prior. Um, Mikey Kelly, who plays the Silver Surfer in Superhero Squad, is Michelangelo. And then uh, Michelle Woodfield, who is Rachel's ex and friends, ex-fiance. Mm-hmm. the dentist he plays donatello and then jim cummings makes a, an appearance as additional voices but he was roca in um seeker of the ooze so he's the only person to come back uh the theme of the movie is a family falling out and being reunited so that's what peter called mm-hmm. it he was like it's a family falling out yeah uh it follows the adult version of the turtles who are doing um, their own thing. They're doing it very sadly. They're very sad about it. Mm-hmm. Um, Donnie is in tech support. Mikey is a party is in the party business. Raph sleeps all day, but at night he's a vigilante. And Leo is on a spiritual quest. Would you like to hear my fun fact about TMNT? I would absolutely love to hear. Okay, uh, the fact. guy who the guy who uh, voices the leader of like the Stone Generals, mm-hmm. right? Um, that's the guy who voices Shredder in 2012. Um, so it grossed 95 million and was nominated for two awards. Because it's the best one. It's the best. Obviously, yeah, it's, it's the best one. It has Chris Evans. Um, the movie was also supposed to be a trilogy. So I'm Monroe, the second movie every day. Um, so Monroe, the director, wanted to follow the Mirage comic arc, City at War. You know, the one where Donatello uses a machine gun to kill a bunch of people. Yeah. Yeah. So the plot was that Michelangelo feels rejected by his brothers and joins the Foot Clan. Um, mind you, the Foot Clan at the time is being run by Karai, and so they're mm-hmm. on pretty good terms at the end of the first movie. Um, but Shredder has, re- has returned, as he does. Um, and so the other turtles, they all travel to Japan, and they cross paths with Karai, Shredder, and Michelangelo. Mm-hmm. So that's the plot for the second movie. Team NT3 would have featured the Triceratons, as well as the Technodome's arrival from Dimension X. Monroe wanted Michael Clark Duncan, a.k.a. the Kingpin, from... Ben Affleck's Daredevil to voice the Triceraton leader, Commander Mozar. The studio, uh, however, uh, that came out with TMNT went bankrupt after Astro Boy flopped in 2009. Shouldn't have made Astro Boy. I liked Astro Boy. I've never seen it. I'm going to blame it. So I'm going to give you a little synopsis of Astro Boy because it's simply the out of pocket. The scientist's son dies in a a scientific experiment. He dies. Okay. Um, do you want to know how he mourns his dead son? He goes to space. He makes a robot version of him. Oh, okay. Gives him, like, the same memories and stuff. Okay. And then when he turns him on, he's like, you're not actually my son. And then ignores him. Oh, my god. And completely disowns him. And he's then... And then he's, like, he thinks he's a real boy and then finds out he's a robot. Uh, and robots are used as machines. Like, as, uh... Mm, and like robot illegal robot fights Mm -hmm. and so that's all he is um and then he like his dad loves him again but literally he makes him and he's like you're actually not my son it's a great film i highly recommend it um so in an interview peter stated that he was interested in the idea of having the next film be a live action film with cgi hybrid um versions of the turtles rendered you know in cgi and he wanted 
hear this. He wanted Sarah Michelle Geller and Chris Evans to reprise the roles. <gasps> Could you imagine Buffy Evans. the Vampire Slayer and Captain America? Um, so this this idea was then taken by Nickelodeon and used in the Michael Bay version in 2014. Yeah. Um, well, you know what? We do get a superhero as Casey Jones. We do, we do, we do get that. We do get uh, Stephen Amell as Casey Jones. Um, so Peter, after 25 years of drawing Ninja Turtles, sold his shares and rights to the Turtles fully over to Viacom, a.k.a. Nickelodeon, meaning that he no longer had creative control over what happens in the franchise. Meaning that this opens new doors for the Turtles, bringing back old familiar faces like Venus. Um, while the era of Kevin and Peter was building blocks for so much of our childhood, there's still so much more to come, and Nickelodeon was only just the start. Del, are you ready for a draft? Oh, I'm so ready for a draft. So, kiddos at home, basically what we're going to do, Del and I have come up with two teams, Team A and Team B. Uh, we each have a, a tur- like the whole Turtles um including Splinter, April, Casey, Shredder, and an extra character. And we can only have one character from each universe mm-hmm. um, in our roster. And we cannot repeat characters. So if I say I want Rise Leo, then uh, Del can't say that she wants Rise Leo and she has to go to her team B. Okay. This is immediately going to become so very complicated. Yes. Okay. So I'll start. Um, I'll start with my Leo. Um, I want him from Rise Oh, well, good, because I struggled because I was trying to pick, like, someone different for, like, every single version, right? Right. Because that's what we're doing here. Um, So my Leo is, unfortunately, um, the Babers version of Leo. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Because in order for the rest of my ranking to work, I had to, unfortunately, sacrifice Leo. Which is, uh, Leo's my favorite turtle, and this is really a blow that I've taken. um, I'm so sorry. I have to accept it. Welcome to Sonic Air, the fastest way to travel. No, Ben Schwartz. I'm sorry, Ben Schwartz. I went to a Build a Bear today and I got myself a little frog man. And I didn't know what I was going to name him. At first, I thought of naming him uh, Pedro Padscale, like a lily pad. And then I thought of Odysseus. And then I got to the little like voice recording thing and it had Sonic on there. And I said, that's Ben Schwartz. And so I named my little frog man Ben Schwartz. Benny. <laughs> Um, okay, well, who who's your uh, who's your Raphael? My Raph, I picked two thousand seven Raph. <gasps> that's I chose. <laughs> this is still for my team A. Um, I chose the Batman version of Raphael, <laughs> voiced by Terry Chris. Yeah, I love that man. He's so funky. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, my Donnie is the two thousand three Donnie because I love my man Sam Regal. Well, I'm so very glad that you picked Rise Leo because mine is Rise Donnie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a great team. What a great team we have. Wait, I would just like to be uh, very dramatic for a second and say that I cannot believe that you made me put Rise Leo and Donnie against each other. You know that I love both of them dearly. I know. He sacrificed Ben Schwartz for, I'd also like to talk about the culture. <laughs> oh, I love that. Interview. And then that, is, that is like my favorite clip ever. I like. I literally. Oh, sorry. Were... I also like to shout out the culture. culture. That's the, that's I the was, line. I was watching the Grammys. Okay, like with my family. Uh huh. 
and they were like they were they had like their whole like um dedication to like you know hip-hop and like um like the whole genre of music and they kept talking about the culture and i kept laughing and everyone's like <laughs> what is wrong with you because i can only <laughs> i'd also <laughs> like to shout out the culture going, i would also like to shout out the culture it's my favorite i i think about it all the time it lives Stop. in my head run free yeah obviously he doesn't mind too <laughs> um who's your michelangelo uh i picked batman okay He's a good one. I picked the IDW Batman or the IDW Michelangelo. Mm, okay. Um, my Splinter was the 2007 Splinter because I thought he was just really funky, and I also would already use my Rise for Leo. Yeah. Um, Splinter is another one I had to sacrifice because I really picked like every other thing. So it is 80 Splinter. I know nothing about 80 Splinter. I I could be very wrong, but that's what I went with. Okay. Okay. Um, who is your April? 2003. Okay. I chose I chose Babeverse. Megan Fox. As Megan Fox. Yeah, I chose Megan Fox because I really want to see her with the live action Casey um, from the 90s. And that's who I chose for my Casey Jones. Uh, you're going to throw up my whole thing now. I can't. Who, who, was your, who was your Casey? I picked 90s Casey, but then I can't. Gag, who's but your B team? My B team is 2012, which is 2012 was my favorite, but I had to give up my 2012 because my A team was 2012. <laughs> well, you can you can take the 2012 because he's in your B team. Good, great, cool. Who who else was I in th- your? I thought you, I thought you were gonna make me not do my A. Team no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. That would throw hands. That was that would have sucked. Okay, wait. Who was your? Uh, great. Then I'm very satisfied actually with this decision that you've made because that means I got 2012 Casey and 2012 Shredder. Okay, I got I chose 87 Shredder because I thought he was goofy. Um, I just think 2012 Shredder is unnecessarily like goaded for no reason. <laughs> um, and, and uh, he's very but um, it's okay because um, unpopular opinion 2012 Casey is my favorite Casey. I would die for 2012 Casey. Um. And I was very upset that I couldn't put him in my A team because I picked 2012 Shredders. If I get to pick my B team, Casey, I love that. Fine in the world. I was really worried that you were gonna be like, "Well, you can't have two 2012s." <laughs> I was gonna like scream. <laughs> who was your Who was your extra character? My extra character um, is Jenica from IDW. <gasps> I chose Venus. Oh, I love this. Pop off. That's the first half of the turtles history del what was the what was something that stood out to you uh, leo's hand <laughs> got eaten. It just, yeah who ate it okay. who ate his hand who ate leonardo's hand that's the biggest question we're leaving with today find out next month uh if you if you want to follow us you could uh rate our podcast uh we're gonna we're, we're coming back with Ferber, this is the second episode you've listened to. I hope you're enjoying what we're doing with it now. Um, you can uh, follow us both on TikTok. It's linked in the description of our podcast. Um, you can also email us any of your questions, concerns, insults, um, praises, if you theories. Want. Yeah, theories. Um, anything you want us to talk about? Anything? Um, at Dell and Mel at Pod Del and Mel Podcast. If you uh. If you liked this deep dive into the turtle history and you want a deep dive into something else, but you don't want to do the research yourself, send us an email. Tell us what you want to learn about because um, apparently I really like doing research. Um, Found this out instead of writing my actual research paper for school. I really like doing research about things 
I'm interested. I don't want to write a research paper <laughs> for school. I, I get paid to do research uh, for my college. And instead of doing that, I wrote a 22 research paper on the Ninja Turtles. You get so. paid to do this. I, I do. You're right. Very, I, do get paid. I do get paid to do this. Anyway, if you want to um, advertise us or if you just want to send us money because you like what we said, I'll take <laughs> it. I, listen, I'm a broke college student. I'm trying to apply for grad school. Things are happening. for handouts. If you, listen, if you want to sponsor us, we will shout you out for a dollar. For a dollar. It's a very low, low, low budget, but for every word, it'll be a dollar. Every every word. Every word. If you say, I want you to say this on your podcast, I will account for every word for a dollar. Oh my god. Um. Okay. Um. I'm cutting Mel off now. <laughs> Goodbye. And see see y'all next time. See y'all next month. Bye. <laughs>